Hello, I'm Evan Reese, an Asia-Pacific analyst at Stratfor, and this podcast is being brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, the world's leading geopolitical intelligence platform. Individual, team, and enterprise memberships are available at worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. by the real-life espionage technique called dry cleaning. Dry cleaning is a counter-surveillance technique that intelligence officers use to see if they're being followed by hostile intelligence when they're going to go and meet a contact. Hi, I'm Fred Burton. Welcome to the Stratfor Podcast. I'm here with Chris Carr, who is a filmmaker and a storyteller. And he runs a podcast called The Dry Cleaner Cast. Chris, welcome to Stratfor Talks. Thank you very much for having me on here today. It's an absolute pleasure. I absolutely love the Pen and Sword podcast and Stratfor Worldview. It's, it's an essential listen to me. My goodness, it's uh, certainly my pleasure. Now, Chris, tell me a little bit about your film that you have. Yeah, so it's called The Dry Cleaner, um, and it was inspired by the real-life um, espionage technique called dry cleaning. And dry cleaning is a counter-surveillance technique that, uh, that intelligence officers use to see if they're being followed by hostile intelligence when they're going to go and meet a contact. So, so the film was very much inspired by that, and it sort of takes place in a modern context with the war on terror. When I watched uh, the film, and I love your characters, George, who I assume is uh, an MI6 officer, he's there smoking. I mean, he just fits the uh, intelligence officer persona to a T. How did you develop these characters? Um, so George came about uh, for a bit of research. There was a really great book that came out in the early 2000s called The Big Breach, and it was a bit of an expose on MI6. And it was written by a guy called Richard Tomlinson. Um, so a lot of the kind of um, the kind of business of uh, George's MI6 work was very much inspired by that book. Also, I'm, I do like a protagonist who's somewhat sort of emotionally. Uh, and ethically challenged. And as you mentioned, like with George's smoking, I think that's smoking, even though I don't condone it, looks great on screen. It's a great way to show someone sort of really deep in thought. It gives them something physical to do. Um, and George also, in some respects, takes his inspiration from um, the 80s TV show The Equalizer with Robert McCall and also a little bit of the Timothy Dalton uh, interpretation of James Bond as well. Oh, it's so well done. And certainly, I know you know from my past, uh, I love the dry cleaner kind of concept because you have really uh, driven down into the tradecraft of espionage uh, or the street dance or the spy game. So I, I think that's so well done and depicted in your film. I you know, take a great sort of uh, pleasure from hearing that because you're a professional and you kind of know much more about it than I do. And I'm I'm very much reliant on sort of books and things in the, the public domain. So, uh, I, you know, thank you, Fred, for those kind words there. Chris, how did you get in this business? Oh, in the film business, it's um, it's always been a lifelong dream of mine. I mean, since a very early age, I was always mesmerized by movies. And as I got older and realized it was actually something you could do, I started sort of pursuing it. So um, at senior high school, uh, which we call Sixth Form College here, is where I really started pursuing it. And I, I took a course called Media Studies, which was the first time in my life I got to hold a, a camera. I was about 18 years old, and I was sort of filming all sorts of things. Um, 
and then I went on to university, uh, studied at a, a degree level, and uh, and I've just been sort of pursuing it ever since. So as a, I sort of um, starting out in the business, I worked um, in all sorts of lower level roles, and uh, I've been things where a production assistant and a runner, um, and eventually I went into being a producer for many years, um, and I produced a few short films. Um, and a couple of um, quite a few music videos and a feature film and I really just I've always wanted to be a director I've always loved storytelling and it was in my sort of early 30s I sort of had a slight crisis thinking I really wanted to be a director and somehow I'm a producer so I sort of um, tried to rewrite the the course of my career a little bit and uh, and the dry cleaner is very much a sort of part of that as well as some work in theatre I've done as well. Now, do you actually write the screenplay for the script for the the dry cleaner? With the dry cleaner, yes, I was the writer on the film. I had a little bit of support from a script editor in the latter stages, but uh, I was the sole writer of the film, and um, and it was quite a. <laughs> I don't know. Writing is not an easy process, as no, I'm sure no. uh, you know very well. Uh, how long did that take? To be honest, it took about uh, about three and a half years, roughly. Um, and the reason it took so long is I went down many different paths. The film itself had two different, completely different iterations, and, and then uh, it became what you see today. Um, and the two different stories were very much part of that kind of creative process of trying to explore um, how best to kind of create a modern uh, a modern sort of espionage thriller. And, um, and so, yeah, so it, it took a lot of sort of soul searching and a lot of uh, exploration of different choices to get to where I got to. Do you look at uh, a, a a film as you're putting it together and try to uh, break that those scenes down by scene by scene, or how do you like storyboard it out in your mind? Yeah, well, um, as a writer, it's a very non-linear process. It sometimes it's just a line that I like, or there's a a way I want to um, see a scene, or approach a scene, or something about a character, and it kind of I try and use those as my starting blocks, and then make sense of it all. And one of the big things throughout the process of writing this film was always trying to put myself in the shoes of the character, and sort of put myself into George's position and ask if I were. If I were George, how would I ask Lydia to do, um, you know, to become my assets and vice versa? I try my best to put myself in Lydia's shoes and think about, does she really trust George and so on? Um, and all that came about, um, you know, again, through a lot of, sort of research, also talked to a lot of real people as much as I could, um, especially for the Lydia character. I was, um, funnily enough, working a, a part-time job selling phones for a few years, uh, one of the many part-time jobs I've had as a filmmaker. Um, and I met a lot of Middle Eastern students, and this was at the time of the Arab Spring. And so in a way, I gathered a little bit of intelligence through these light conversations I would have with customers and asked them, you know, the ones I got to know, what was really going on in your country and how do you feel about that? And that process really helped me, I think, um, develop the voice for Lydia. Oh, that's fascinating. So when you get down into the weeds and you're starting to put uh, the dry cleaner together, mm. uh, why did you pick that specific tradecraft tactic versus, let's say, uh, the dead drop 
Well, I suppose with dry cleaning, it's very visual. Um, I suppose that the, the downside of something like a dead drop, it, it's uh, it's it's sort of something that has a very definitive conclusion very fast. Whereas a dry cleaning, it gives us a chance to draw things out. And also, in a way, it becomes a bit metaphorical because Lydia's not only questioning if anybody's following her, she's also sort of questioning herself. And it gives her time to really reflect on everything that's going on. I was very much in um, many, well, many, many years ago, I read The Constant Gardener, the John le Carre book uh, in my early, early 20s. And I've always, I've always been fascinated by memory. And I love the way that book depicted memory. And I think it very much had an, uh, an effect on the script. I didn't consciously try and remake the constant gardener but that technique of using sort of flashbacks to give us sort of hints about something that has then a um a kind of uh, sort of modern relevance um and and so uh, yeah i thought dry cleaning was the perfect way to kind of do that and also on top of that there's that great question what does a terrorist look like and i thought dry cleaning is a great way for us to kind of keep sort of challenging those sort of ideas of what we think a threat looks like when people ask me what we do here at Stratfor, I always try to say that we make sense of the world. Uh, look, I've been here now going on almost 20 years, and I've had lots of opportunities to go elsewhere. I've uh, been lucky enough to have cobbled together a few books, but I can say this, that when I sit around the analyst table every morning and watch uh, some of our analysis being put together, I think people uh, would be surprised. And I think that for those of you who really want to see why uh, the world works the way it does, uh, without the bias, without the spin, without the inside the beltway kind of uh, takeaways, uh, I would encourage you to take a look at what we do. Let me make you a special offer. Go to stratfor.com slash Fred Burton and take a look at what we do every day. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Have you gotten any feedback from uh, any of the security services in the UK about this? Oh, uh, not not officially, no. <laughs> <But> <laughs> well, what uh, have, what um, have you been told unofficially? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've I've got one friend who used to work in the security services, and he was very impressed with the film. Any any criticism he gave me, um, um, and I'll share it, was just the fact that the meeting at the beginning wouldn't have taken place at. Uh, George's house it would have taken place in the office or something but yeah or <laughs> in a, a uh, hotel room yeah exactly with one of those sort of uh, white noise generators um <laughs> which I, I i must admit I, I didn't know about those until after making the film had i known about white noise generators before it definitely would have made an appearance but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you should have asked me about that i would have told you yeah, I know, I know. It was actually, I think it was your book was the first time I heard about them, and then the stew phones as well, which I really love. Oh, awesome, um, awesome. Those are really cool. But yeah, so I'm always, I'm always fascinated about sort of trying to find those little bits of real tidbits to give it a real authentic feeling. I was very much. I'm very much inspired by directors like Michael Mann and Tony Scott, and they very much they always had lots of they always did lots of really in depth research and were always interviewing loads of people from that world and and only through my podcast I've got to actually know some people of that world now. Um, but so far, the feedback I have get, had has been very positive, especially about the sort of dry cleaning sequences. And there's one surveillance officer I knew who was really really sort of amazed by the way I depicted it, and some of it was actually inspired by conversation i had with another surveillance officer when he was saying to me that um he when he's 
using cam surveillance, he is very much taking still images of his mind and he just sees fragments of things, colors and, and movement and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, that that is depicted uh, very well and that's what kind of draws you in, I think, to your film is because mm. it's it's so real with the – uh, actual surveillance, and I and I know the British Security Services. They have a uh, you know dedicated teams that just do this, and I think I think mm. that was done um, uh, with um, a tremendous amount of accuracy. So I, I I applaud you for that. I know how difficult that might be. Yeah, no, thank you very much. And one other inspiration actually for the dry cleaning was um, a Russian spy called Oleg Gordievsky. He wrote this book back in the 90s called Next Stop Execution. And he goes into great detail about dry cleaning and dry cleaning actually saved his life. Um, and I was very lucky to meet Oleg Gordievsky when I was a teenager uh, because he used to be a regular customer of mine at a shop I worked at because I seemed oh, wow. to meet all my interesting people at shops. And Oleg Gordievsky <laughs> was one of my customers. And I used to sell him salmon. Um, and for many years, I was like, I, I know, I know his face, but I didn't know his name. And then eventually, I found out his name, and I plucked up the courage to ask him, "Are you Oleg Gordievsky, the KGB spy who defected the West?" And he sort of said to me, "Yes, I am." And then he recommended his book to me, um, which salesman at heart there. Yeah. And um, and that book totally, you know, challenged what I thought knew about spying because I came in my teens. You know, I grew up on James Bond and the Man from Uncle. Right. Um, and and as a very different. Um, depiction of how espionage actually is you know with Oleg Gordievsky's book it really showed the sort of people side of espionage and the fact that these great kind of um, things like the Cold War can kind of come down just to two people in a room and, uh, and it really totally changed my mind about espionage and how it works and it was that book plus Richard Tomlinson's book that also has some quite good descriptions of dry cleaning and um they were very much in my mind um, when slowly sort of putting this together. Because I think, I honestly, to be honest with you, Fred, I think I've been wanting to do a film about dry cleaning since I was sort of 20. But it's just taken a very long time to really sit down and do it seriously um, and sort of take that time and have that self-belief to actually sort of try and go for it. And I'm really pleased that I did do it because, um, you know, I think it's turned out really well. And we've hopefully got a much bigger story to tell in the future as well. No, I, I think you have done that well, and it's uh, you have kind of depicted the, the tick-tock of the reality of espionage with the dry cleaner, much like Le Carre has done. I mean, uh, let's face it, uh, you know, James Bond is good entertainment, and it's been a mm. tr tremendously successful series. Uh, but uh, in reality, you know, the kind of work that's actually done, the day-to-day, the, -day, the care and feeding is – is uh, very similar to what you have depicted with that one-on-one -on -one relationship between a case officer and an asset or the actual uh, street dance of trying to follow individuals without uh, them knowing that you are following them, which is very difficult to do. And it, it takes a tremendous amount of practice because it's, uh, you know, it's the human aspect of that when you're on point out there doing these kinds of things. And and you're looking for demeanor and you're looking at gates and you're looking at, you know, you're always cognizant of uh, clothing changes and things like mm -hmm. that. So you're either good at it or you're not. And uh, so I, I think that from a tradecraft perspective, you just you, – you have really kind of nailed it. Thank you. Well, there is – without a any spoilers but there is a clothing a significant clothing change in the film if anybody spots it. So watch <laughs> out for that. <laughs> yeah. That can be used to throw off surveillance teams, so that that's pretty cool. Now, 
What is next for Chris Carr? Is this going to be a continuation? Are we going to see uh, a follow-up film, or, or what's on the horizon for you? I hope so. So I'm, I'm working with um, – so uh, I've got a co-writer now. Uh, his name is Thomas Lumo, and he was the producer of The Dry Cleaner, and we're working together at the moment on a sort of TV adaptation of it. Um, it's, it's got a new name. It's called The Great Game because we couldn't think of a, a better title. And also The Dry Cleaning uh, – sorry, The Dry Cleaner itself is very much a self-contained thing. But what we want to do is now take those characters and put them on a bigger scale um, and tell a very modern sort of counterterrorism story. And also we want to look at not only the Islamic extremism, but also to look at the rise of the far right and far right extremism and other forms of terrorism, too. So we're hoping to kind of create a very grounded sort of new TV show that will very much be on par with what you've seen in the short film. Wow, that's pretty exciting. Now, are you in production with that now or? or... No, no. No, we're still very much at the early stages. So we've got a pilot script um, and we're hoping to start shopping that around um, with increased interest in the film and start having a chat with different production companies and hopefully, you know, broadcasters like the BBC or Netflix or Amazon, people like that. That would be wonderful to get in partnership with somebody like that. When you look at what you're doing, Chris, and and you Mm. look back at the long road to get here, uh, which Mm. uh, obviously has been years in the making, what has been your biggest challenge? That's a very good question. I think I think the biggest challenge is just it's keeping um, not motivated. They've always been motivated, but it's just keeping the faith. I think there's always the especially as an independent filmmaker, because there's many, many years where you have moments where progress isn't being made and you feel like it should be. Um, and it's just sort of keeping that resolve and keeping going. It's a bit like the there's a Winston Churchill expression, which is KBO. Now, the B's um, a bit rude, so I hope I'm allowed to say this. But Fire away. Go stand, ahead. It stands for keep buggering on, which just basically means keep going no matter what. That's sort of sure. what it's about, you know, and it's sort of it's <laughs> just sort of keeping that in mind every so often that's the that's the greatest challenge especially especially the dry cleaner as well because there was a time in the second incarnation of it where i i wondered because uh, it wasn't working out and i wondered god is this a bad idea and i had this very long afternoon walk just i found out to one of the locations in the film just to kind of remind myself of what am i trying to do here and it was that that moment on that walk of realizing there is something here and just keeping going. And it took another year and a half after that walk to kind of get to where we were are today. Well, it just shows what mm. perseverance can do if you really want to get there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's just sort of trying to find a way to keep going no matter what, really. And what do you read for downtime? Yeah, all sorts of things. So because of my podcast, I'm reading an awful lot of real life spy books at the moment. Um, your book's been fantastic. There's been, there's been so many. Um, I also read a lot of, I love John Le Carre. I've been a John Le Carre fan for years. Um, and, uh, yeah, so a lot of real life spy books and fictional spy books. Um, yeah, so at the moment it's very much spy stuff. <laughs> yeah, trust me. I know what you mean. You kind of get the hook and, and and you can't let it go. Exactly. It's so fascinating. And the thing is as well, because I'm I'm very much an outsider looking in and um and I sort of take inspiration from the late great uh, TV chef and personality Anthony Bourdain. We want to know what's going on and, and the best spy books are usually the ones written by people who were former spies themselves. There are exceptions to that. I mean people like David Ignatius, who was a journalist, who was very much plugged into sort of real life espionage going on, and uh, he's written some fantastic books. And 
in fact one of my favorite spy novels of all time is agents of innocence oh, which yeah. is very much yeah it's a fantastic book and, and and then many many years later the real story is now being declassified and there was a book by kai bird called the good spy i think it's called yeah um and it's all about the true life story that was the backbone of that of that um fictional story and it's fantastic so yeah those are the sort of people i admire and you know would love to be like one day yeah those two books ignatius book and and kai mm. bird's book uh, about mm. robert ames are are, That's it. are are two keepers yeah well, Chris, we really appreciate you being on uh, the Stratfor podcast today, and um, I want our listeners to know how to take a look at your film. So where should they go? The good thing is they've got a few choices. Um, they can go to Amazon or iTunes, and if you type in the dry cleaner film – um, that should bring it up. Uh, if you put in just the dry cleaner, especially on Amazon, you might get some strange cleaning products, which you won't <laughs> want. Um, and I, and I've, I've tested this myself and found these strange cleaning products. And um, put in the dry cleaner film. If that doesn't work, just go to www.drycleanercast.co.uk forward slash watch the film. And it's on there. Thank you so much, Chris, for being with Stratfor Talks today. Fred, thank you so much for inviting me on today. I'm really honored to be on here today. So thank you. Thank you very much. It's our pleasure. If you enjoyed our chat today with Chris Carr, we'd love for you to take a look at Stratfor Worldview. We have a special offer for our podcast listeners at stratfor.com slash Fred Burton. Thank you for listening. <laughs>